What's up, everybody? On this episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss the NBA, uh, the, the possible KD Kyrie to New York. Uh, we touched on uh, Duke not making it to the Final Four. Uh, we also discussed uh, the Final Four, who we predict will make it to the national championship and our uh, prediction for the actual championship winner for the Final Four. And we also discussed other general NBA topics. And we also touch upon Porzingis uh, and his uh, situation going on as it stands right now. So turn into this episode of Guys Talk Sport. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. Here once again on this Thursday evening with my two boys, Al, Earl. Al is currently on a uh, uh, four to five minute uh, assignment. So he'll be joining us when he's uh, good and ready. But I got my man Earl with me, so what's good? Everything is lovely, no vino today, just some good old quality H2O. And, and sir, I, I, I join you in that pledge. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the H2O. But man, the weather is breaking a little bit, so you know what that means. It's, uh, it's baseball in the air. March Madness is winding down. The NBA regular season is finally winding down. This crap. I thought you were going to say sundress and sandals weather out there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, we definitely getting there. Give me about 10 more degrees, and that'll be the, the everyday thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. NBA is winding down, thankfully. The regular season. So now we can really start to watch some real NBA. Uh, we got the NFL ramping up for their uh, for the draft, but let's start quickly and kind of just divulge the, the, the last four standing in the NCAA tournament. We have uh, Auburn, Virginia clashing on Saturday at 6, and then we got Texas Tech and Michigan State. What is you guys' take on the tournament so far? I, I, I said it before in the very beginning, and I'll, I'll continue to say it now. I'm the happiest joker ever that did not fill out a bracket just because of pure fun, because it would have been busted probably within the first three games of the Thursday start of the damn tournament. This has been the most unpredictable tournament I've seen in some quite, you know, quite some time, but it's also been quite fascinating and very enjoyable. So I was just wondering how you guys' take and what do you feel about the last four teams standing? Well, I... Should fill out a bracket because I remember before the tournament started, I said, gotta make sure we keep an eye on Texas Tech and their defense and look at them right in the damn final four. And I said, Michigan State in that bracket with uh with Duke is gonna be a tough out. They're in the final four. So I guess I'm kind of upset that I didn't actually play the bracket, but <laughs> I may watching the games. I wasn't all that fixated and focused on the entire March Madness, which means I was able to do other things around the house and get stuff done. However, um, at least for the teams that are there, it speaks to the, uh, the upperclassmen and the teams that have been in the tournament before, as opposed to your, you know, your one and duns or your your super freshmen. I mean, obviously Michigan State taking out Duke um, messed up a lot of people, but people's brackets. But uh, Michigan State clearly at the end was playing a more consistent basketball, um, more po poised. I mean, there's a lot of people questioning whether or not. 
Um, Mike Krzyzewski should have went with um, Zion Williams a bit more down the stretch. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you had some really good games in that, in that um, in Elite Eight. I mean, it was some really good weekend games. Um, hopefully the Final Four is just as good. I think with two games went into overtime, I know I was watching the Auburn and um, who was Auburn playing? Um, Kentucky. And, um, woof. That was a really good game. I mean, Auburn showed, showed their stuff. Obviously, Michigan State did their thing. Virginia, lucky they got in, thanks to that kid getting that, I mean, beautiful, you know, at the buzzer, mid-range jumper. I mean, I think he just threw that up as a prayer because that wasn't a set shot. That was just a catch, and he just flung it at the hoop. Um, needless to say, it got him into overtime. In the overtime, you know, they took care of business. But, um, you know, it's uh, – it, you know, it wasn't that many upsets in the beginning. Usually you get a lot of kind of upsets in the first first round. You can catch a lot of teams slipping. Usually after that, the teams that should make it at that particular point usually do win. But um, I give it credit for the first weekend that was, you know, devoid of any real major upsets. I mean, the Elite Eight really kind of made it a good weekend to watch some good college basketball. Yeah, I'm sorry I jumped in um, a little bit late. Um, but I agree with you on that. Um, first, kudos to the teams there in the Final Four. Um, makes me kind of wonder, Earl, like, if I know that you picked, like, Texas Tech and Michigan State. Would you have actually put them in your bracket going all the way? I don't know. Texas Tech, I don't know. Michigan, probably I would have had them with Duke and with Michigan State when I probably would have had um, Duke at least make it into the championship game. Um, I'm not sure about Texas Tech, but damn sure not Auburn or, or VA. <laughs> I thought I thought VA was going to be the first um, one out, and they're the last one standing. I ain't going to fight. I was in the same boat. <laughs> right. So did you think they were going to get out the first round? I didn't think it was going to get the first – I think it was going to get the first round, but I thought there's going to be a, one of the first um, ones to go. Is it going to be either between Gonzaga or UVA? I was thinking probably UVA and Gonzaga. Unfortunately, <laughs> took that um, took that for themselves. Hmm. But Gonzaga is always like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Right? Is this the farthest they've been in the tournament? The Elite Eight? Who? Um, Gonzaga. Gonzaga, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> I know. I thought they've been in the final four. I mean, they've been to the final four. It's has it's been a couple of years, but they've been to the oh, final okay. four. Okay. I wonder is because you know with basketball, basketball. I guess you know you're always going to have some sort of talent disability or talent li talent liability for Gonzaga. But do you ever see them in the foreseeable future ever winning the national title? Could you see it? I, hmm, I, to be honest with you, I could see it. Maybe not. Eventually, Gonzaga will get there in the championship game. Um, to be honest with you, I don't see why not. I think there's going to be a lot more balance right now. Um, and with the tournament being the way it is, you know, it's either win or go home one game, you know, Anybody can win it. Like, let's say, for example, Butler was on one of the mid major um, conferences, almost got and won, almost won the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, that's when they had um, Gordon Haywood and um, 
those guys. So anybody can win. Gonzaga is there. It's, they're right on the cusp. Um, but maybe another couple of years down the road, they'll actually be in the championship game. And I think they was in the championship game um, not too long ago as well. So that's what it was so intriguing about the tournament because anyone given at any time, if they play hot enough, they should be able to make it to the championship game. Yeah, I agree. I I think, you know, they're going to get to the championship game. I think it depends on, you know, the players that they have, how the bracket, what bracket they fall into, and how it all shapes up. I think, like you said, I think they're on the cusp. Um, they usually they usually feel really good teams. There's not really that, you know, quote-unquote star player like how Duke has them um, but, or Kentucky or some other in the, in the past. But they usually have really just – good, you know, you know, you know, good squads. Um, not taking anything away. Or, or I should say solid squads. Okay. No, I'm not taking anything away from Auburn. Hell of a story they got going on, especially with their, uh, their kid who went down with the ACL, came back in the Elite Eight game and really played well and propelled them to the, uh, to the Final Four. Um, I know we had a brief conversation about it earlier this week, but I haven't really heard anything about it because I really haven't been paying much attention outside of when Duke lost. But how much do you, how much stock do you put in the fact that RG, RJ Barrett wasn't 100% healthy is the reason why Duke didn't make it to the Final Four? And then compounded on that, who is being that we saw R.J. Barrett get hurt and we saw that Zion didn't play, though I believe it was the other kid who led the team in scoring. Cam. Yeah. Who was more detrimental to not have when either one were out? I mean, it's obvious to say Zion, but could – do you think the outcome would have been the same if Zion wasn't there playing in that Elite Eight game instead of R.J. Barrett? You know, that's that's hard to tell because they. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. They squeaked by the last two games before they eventually lost to Michigan State, and you had both of them playing. So the game before they were playing, they squeaked by, and Archie Barrett was not playing. But the game prior to that, they squeaked by, and R.J. Barrett and Zion and all was playing. The person who was coming up lame was Cam Reddish. So, um, I mean. I mean, in the regular season, you had Zion out, so everybody kind of stepped up their game. Um, but it was still the regular season. I mean, when you're in the March Madness, you're catching everybody's A game, you know, every game. You're not going to have a team that might take a game off or might not play that good because, you know, they're trying to rest players or they might not be totally focused. I mean, when you're in March Madness, you're catching the A games every game. So, um, I would pr- – I don't know. It's. I th- I think if they didn't have Zion Williams playing, period, if he would actually sat out the regular the rest of the season, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't even got to lead eight. I'm gonna be honest with you. I agree with you 100. percent Think that um it wouldn't matter if all three of them played. To be honest, it's all about the team aspect of it. 
Me personally, I thought Duke was overrated. And that's just me making a statement because there was so much hype on Zion, um, Cam, and RJ. And there was too much hype on Zion because Cam and, and, and RJ were coming in. They were like the top three, top three players in high school. So the sacrifices that was made for them to be to where they were, it was just – I didn't think there was – everybody was actually ready for that. And they had – the sacrifices that was made in March Madness, they was just playing way too close. Like, it was like they wasn't dominating in the tournament to begin with. And so I really believe that, you know, it was just a matter of time before they – they eventually would fall. Um, but I think that it's not really no one to blame. It's just that it's just they're just adapting to the fact that, you know, in tournament time when, it's, you know, it's nothing like this has ever been happened to them where they were playing so many close games. They were probably dominating in high school, dominating throughout, you know, the, the tournaments that they played in and so many things is that, when they get to that level of, you know, now the next level, which is college, you know, they're playing with bigger people than what they was playing in high school. So it was an adjustment period. So I think that overall they didn't get that opportunity to completely adjust in a tournament, thinking though that they was, even though they was the number one team handling the ACC with no problem, but getting into the tournament where there's experienced teams out there, especially seniors, um, it, was, it was a difficult challenge. But I think that Duke overall, I think Cam Reddish definitely took a, a step back um, to let R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson to, to do what they do. Um, and to be honest, it was working for them. But when it comes to the tournament time, you know, you got to make adjustments. And I don't think that Duke made enough adjustments to keep going into the championship series. And they have the talent, but just didn't have the, the, the adjustments was made, bottom line. And I got to tip my hat to Tom Izzo. He got Michigan State back there with a bunch of experienced veteran players. He may have a freshman or two that's out there playing and balling, but they, he gets his fair share of top 100 players, but he tends to not go after the ones and duns. At least I don't think. I haven't heard a lot of Michigan State players opting to leave after their first year. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I just don't hear it very often. And I guess my question is, do you see uh, Izzo adapting to that model prior to when the NBA decides that they're going to allow 18-year-olds to finally come back and play if they're, you know, good enough to jump straight from high school to the league? Or do you think Izzo is, is content playing that style of ball and, you know, every two or three years making it to the Final Four. Because, you know, they he has them as one of those blue blood type of programs where, you know, they're supposed to be one of the elite programs. And I, I never thought I would see Coach K go that route, but I guess he was sick and tired of Calipari and everybody else. He had to get into that little bit of action. So I'm just curious what you guys think or if you have any type of uh, opinion, if you believe Izzo will ever go that route. I mean, I could see him going that route. I, I just don't think he had that that caliber of a player to come in that's like considered one of done. I mean, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's had a player in the last couple of years that's been like of a 
Zion Williams, R.J. Barrett, um, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, like and those kind of kids where you know it was only going to be one and done, and they were like highly recruited and touted. I mean, he gets his players, um, but I think if he got a one and done per se, one of those high recruited guys, yeah, he would run with them. And if they leave, they leave. I just don't think he's either a recruited or the people that were looking for that just will consider Michigan State. Completely agree. Um, kind of, to be honest, Izzo reminds me a little bit of what um, Jay Wright was doing is doing with Villanova, um, just basically just you know plotting along and trying to keep as much people as to get that experience as possible. Wouldn't be surprised if he's following that model because it seems like it's working where experience is over, is trumping over like freshmen anyway, any day. So um it it is it varies um at this point. Um I would I I would be interested to see if a freshman comes that's completely highly rated um as a one and done prospect to see if is what he does in Izzo's camp than anybody else because it just seems as though that they're split between the one and done colleges and the more experienced colleges, the juniors and seniors that stay for a couple of years. And it seems like there's a split there um, in the NCAA um, men's basketball. Well, it's interesting to me because, you know, Kyle Perry has been doing it in Kentucky for the longest time, but it only has one championship to show for it. So, it doesn't always necessarily mean just because you get the best and the brightest means you're going to sit there and walk away with championships every year. No, he, got, he, got lifetime, he got a lifetime contract, so I guess he uh, <laughs> he's good. Oh, yeah, he's going, he going to continue. I, I heard something interesting about it. You know, when UCLA was kind of courting him. You know, they said Kentucky was smart because now uh, other college uh, coaches can't uh, recruit against Kentucky to say, well, Calipari might be leaving, so you don't know, you know, you may not want to go there if he has that, that chance to leave. So Kentucky was smart. They wrapped him up. So I guess they're content with bringing in those, you know, those type of players and not necessarily winning the championship every year, but getting a deep run in the tournament. So can't be mad. And look at it because now everybody's talking about those one-and-done colleges, which in turn will generate money because it's must-see TV for those one-and-done players. Like, Let's be honest, Duke wasn't really that talk of the town until Zion came back. I mean, came to Duke. So um, The same thing with R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. So no one was even talking about them. Now you got, like, NBA team, like, commentators talking about what Zion's going to do. And that was before he even played his first game at Duke. So, you know, there is going to be money generated off of the one-and-done players, which the college is definitely going to accept and definitely do open that, you know, take that with open arms. Um, so there's a catch-22 there. So the one-and-done players is going to focus more on the revenue that they get from the games that's being put out there on ESPN, on, you know, all these other different um, channels. A lot of ones that are more experienced is just looking at the bigger picture, which is perhaps getting a big payday as as far as they advance into the NCAA tournament. All right. Now switch it to the NBA. Question. Who has the worst record in the NBA right now? Cleveland? I believe it. No, New York. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter. I think, I think the Knicks. The Knicks. Yeah, it's, it's the lottery. Okay. So it's Cleveland, Knicks, and somebody else who's sucking. Um, Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. All right. Bet. So let's just randomly say Phoenix, Cleveland, New York. 
All right. Earl, you the GM for Phoenix. Al, you the your GM for Cleveland. I'm the GM for the Knicks. You got the draft coming up. Earl, who's your pick for number one? Coming up. Now you're Phoenix. Now you know you got uh you got Aiton at the center, you got uh, Booker. You got some centerpieces. You got you got a one, you got a two, and you got a five. Who are you picking? I mean, you want to go with someone that's going to put butts in seats, and if I'm a GM, I got to put butts in seats. You have to go with Mr. Um, Zion Williams. I mean, more the, the kid uh, Mormon would probably be a better fit. How, however, it's all about putting people in seats. Yeah, solid pick. You can't go wrong. All right, number two, Cleveland. Al, what you doing? Well, if, if I'm number two and I have Cleveland's pick, this would be a, 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 a this would be very interesting because consistent say I should go for John Murray. Out of, um, I mean, John Moret out of Maury, Maury State. Um, but he plays point guard, and I got a point guard in Colin Sexton. Right. I just drafted last year. So I would really have to consider my options. Um, I really believe that Colin Sexton is definitely growing into an NBA player. Um, I may have to either trade down a notch or two, um, but – I would probably go with I would probably go with John 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 Morant um, for now and see what deals is out there to be made going forward. Um, but I can't keep both of them. So my first pick would be to pick John. But if that is the case, the better pick for Cleveland would be like R.J. Barrett and build on that. Yeah, and I think if 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 it played out the way Zion and. Uh... John Morant, I guess I, you know, with New York, you'd have to go with uh, RJ, RJ Barrett, just because of the the pure athleticism. Or you can even mess around and say Cam, uh, Cam Reddish, because what he plays the three, right? Yeah. And you could play him off as Spider Man, not Spider Man. Um, who's uh the, the the two for the Knicks? Can't think of his name right now. But um, that'd be a nice little nucleus. And then where I'm going with this is the supposed rumor of the possibility of Kyrie and KD uh, optioning themselves off and signing mega, you know, mega contract with the Knicks. Now you're talking about a, 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 a starting five of uh, Kyrie. Uh, damn, I can't think of the two. Uh, for the Knicks. Mario Hadonza? No. Oh, well, then who's the, who's the point now? Dennis Smith. Oh, Dennis Smith is the one? Dennis Smith Jr. is the one. Oh, shit. Wow. Okay. And that's interesting. Would you slide him over to the two? I think he's – you could run him like a, a little McCullen type thing. I I don't know if that would work, but – Aye, aye. Wow. So, I would, mm, interesting. Well, I guess the Knicks would have some, as me as the GM, I have some interesting opportunities to do because then I could possibly try to use Dennis Smith's trade bait if I was sure that, you know, Kyrie was coming to the Knicks. But I don't know. I may want to hold on to, you know, because, you know, 2020 is the year Kyrie gets hurt. So, (laughs) 
You know, every every even game, a man has a knee issue. He goes out. Every odd year, he plays well. I don't know. It's just this, 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 just the going away for him. I, I, get, he still gets uh, max deals. He's a great guy. I mean, I, I, mean, I personally, I, I, I will hold on to Dennis Smith. Um, I mean, you know, what's the kid, Frank? Nilatina. Yeah. Maybe you might look to kind of move him um, or Emmanuel Mouillet. Yeah, they got a glut of point guards. <laughs> That's for sure. Point guards. I mean, the one thing you got to think of is if you – hypothetically – if you bring hypothetically, if you have Kyrie and Durant, I mean, you're going to have Kyrie. He's a he's a point guard posing as a two guard. So I would keep Dennis Smith and leave Kyrie at the two. Then you're going to have Kevin Durant at the three or the four because you still got Kevin Knox. Mm. And so let's say for mm. really hypothetical speaking. They do get the first ping pong ball. They're taking Zion. So what are they gonna do with DeAndre? They can't afford him. I'm gonna tell you right now, if Kyrie and Kevin Durant is coming to New York, they won't be able to afford keep um DeAndre. But they got Mitch Robinson, so he's definitely starting over DeAndre. He's starting Did over him now? Mitch Robinson? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I would keep I mean, they got him on a rookie. That's probably one of the most underrated moves that the Knicks made. I can honestly say that was a great move for them. Well, like, yeah, he's the next to Andre Jordan, to be honest. Interesting. Wow. But they won't be able to afford keep their bench, that's for sure. They won't be – they're going to probably get, like, all <laughs> minimum deals, similar to what the Lakers did. Like one year deals, like two million, three million, like something like that, just to just to keep both Durant and I um Kyrie. Well, they got a lot of cap space, and they, I mean, they they jettisoned uh, you know, Jason Porzingis and had them take some bad contracts, you know, that expires, you know, this year, just for the extent to go after one, if not one, two. So, right. I mean, they might wind up with the possibility of two. And wind up with the number uh, one pick on in um in the draft, mm. and if you do that, they're gonna have to make some moves because basically you're running with a, a, a point guard posing as a shooting guard and two small forwards. Because where are you gonna put Zion at? Power forward? You ain't doing that. You put him at the center? You ain't doing that. You well, put I wouldn't put him at the four. What? Because uh, KD? I wouldn't put Zion Williams at the four. How tall is he? Six, 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 eight, six, nine, six, seven. He'd be the five. I would be very hesitant to put him at the four. <laughs> well, I mean, when you I think mean, about they'll it, probably put him at the four, but I'd be very hesitant about that. To, to be honest, he. I mean, that would probably that's the only natural position left. When you yeah. think about it, because Kevin is going to be at the three, and. Mitch Robinson is going to be at the five. So I could see them put, to be honest, that's probably going to be the only position that's going to be available for, unfortunately. Damn, and then, and then you got really, a, and he's probably really be better off as a three. But if, hypothetically speaking, if the Knicks get him, then you're right. You're going to keep De, you know, Durant at the three. Then you're going to put him to the four and just hope that his size, you know, can help out. Mm -hmm. Or at least offset that. Damn. I mean, if that works out in the Knicks' favor, you know, hypothetically speaking, they get the the, the number one overall 
and to get Kyrie and KD. Damn, they got a they got a on on paper they they're looking real legit, but like you said, they have some they gotta have some issues. Because what do you do with Dennis? Do you do you you, you can't trade Dennis Smith Jr. But I can't see I can't see putting Kyrie at the two. No, nah, I could see them trading Dennis Smith Jr. if Kyrie comes. But that knee, man, the knee. <laughs> but the thing about it is, Dennis Smith Jr. is not going to play second fiddle to Kyrie Irving. No. Sorry, he's going to want to look for a place where he can start. But I mean, you you put him at the two. But he. Too small at the two. Too small. Yeah, way too small. He's smaller than Kyrie, I believe. Is he? Or in the same size. No, they both 6'4". Mm-hmm. Okay, 6'4". Yeah, so, ooh. God, but then, all right, so then I guess a hell of a package would be a Dennis Smith Jr. and a Kevin Knox deal. Because <laughs> Kevin Knox would be the odd. All things happening that way, Kevin Knox might be the, the odd man out, and Kevin right. Knox is not that bad. <laughs> Right, <laughs> but you could probably get some real good assets for him. Yeah, I could definitely see somebody. I could <laughs> knowing the Knicks, I could definitely see them doing something like that. They get Kyrie and Kevin. I could see them um, easily. Knox will be up on the trade. Somebody's going to snatch him at a real good price. Mm-hmm. Can you, you see Brooklyn trying to slide over and take one? I'll be honest with you. I could see Brooklyn taking if going after Kevin Knox if that was the case. I could honestly see that. If to be honest, Brooklyn's that type of team, and I don't want I mean, Brooklyn's the type of team that will take your young talent that you haven't fully invested in. And then they would do utilize that <laughs> to basically, you know, they'll utilize that to build them into what they want them to be. That's how Brooklyn does it. That's how like just like D'Angelo Russell, you know. Took him with the the contract of um I forgot who it was Mozgov, and they threw in D'Angelo Russell. Took him, built him into an all star. So they'll look to do that more so than to you know try and get some big name coming in. Makes sense. Well, that's an interesting scenario. I'm gonna have to look into numbers on that because Kevin Knox would be a definitely good piece for them for Brooklyn if they wanted to, if they wanted him and they. <laughs> Where'd he start? Where'd he come he, who, Ke- uh, Kevin Knox? Yeah. 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 I'm given enough development. They'll put him either – they may put him at the four, depending on, but they'll put him either at the three or four. Definitely uh, a better, uh, better start. Yeah, yeah, three or four. Because he's right now small four for the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I guess this is only about – I, these little scenarios are, are tricky just because of how small the draft is for the NBA. And if it would be the Knicks to, to get an embarrassment of riches like that if if the stars lined up and they probably would still find a way to botch it up. <laughs> but they need this, though, because let's be honest, like they need New York to be a big market team. That's what the NBA is craving. Um, Lakers already got that with with LeBron now. They need the Knicks to be back in, in, in relevance. And what better way to do that is to get the number one pick because that will immediately bring New York out of, like, it's something. It gives New York fans hope. And it gives them a choice, a reason to watch TV going forward. And that's what the NBA is looking for. New York is one of the big market teams. And let's be honest, like, the Knicks haven't been so – haven't been good lately. 
to a point where, you know, they don't watch as many games. If you bring Zion to New York, it'll be packed out, guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's going to be packed out. Even, even if they just get Durant, not Kyrie, let's say they just get Durant, that's going to bring people to watch the, watch the Knicks. You're going to have uh, Spike Lee, you know, at courtside. But if they get that first-round ball and they pick Zion Williams, you definitely going to get everybody coming to watch that kid. So, um, um, so I think if, you, if that was to happen, then I think you would probably have majority of the big market teams on the up and up. Um, don't be surprised if Cleveland gets gifted another first-round pick and gets gifted another top player like Zion Williams because I can almost guarantee Cleveland Cavaliers is going to walk away with that first ping-pong ball. I'm, to be honest with you, I, I'm very I'm, – I'm completely in agreement with you. Like, it should be – I can't see no other teams than the Knicks and Cleveland. Some, one of those two teams getting the number one pick. I just can't see Phoenix getting it at this point. Yeah. And then the Knicks have to have the pressure of not having number one. They can either have number two or number three. And then you can pick your fancy as who you want because now they're not under fan pressure to go after Zion and have a have a stack of point guards and a stack of, you know, forwards. Now they can kind of, you know, do what they want to do. They can go after R.J. Barrett. They can go after um, – um, somebody else. Um, they can do whatever. <laughs> and it might wind up being a little bit better for them if they were to land Kyrie and Durant not to have the first-round pick. Uh, would it be Would it be better if, if to say, the Knicks got the overall one and only Durant came? Because then you could see a starting five of Dennis Smith Jr. Don't know who the two would be. Um. <clears throat> then you have K- KD, Zion, and then the center you mentioned. <clears throat> that's not a formal. That's a pretty decent. You got two legit scores. Um, Zion, who probably will bring a lot of high energy and, and defensive, uh, defensive presence, and you know can run the floor with just the best of them. And I can see the Knicks being relevant with uh, with a, a lineup like that. And not necessarily have Kyrie in that knee. Yeah. (laughs) No, but yeah, I agree with you. The thing is that it has to be whatever. If if Durant chooses New York first, and then they also know that um, they get the number, they have the number one pick, and Kevin Durant chooses New York first, I can see them getting a shooting guard in free agency that is a much better shooting guard than what they have in Mario right now. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, there's a ton of shooting guards that's open out there, whether it's like Danny Green or, you know, some of these other ones that's out there that's definitely a lot more formidable and play D. Who knows? They could pro- He could probably bring over Clay Thompson. So hey, I was just about to say that. I was just so, about to say Clay. You never know at this point. So it all depends, and it all starts basically free agency is going to start with Kevin Durant. Hold up. And Kyrie, where they go. Is this the last year of the Golden State Dynasty? Me personally, I think so. Yeah, if Durant leaves, it is because in order to get Durant, they had to gut the one thing that got them to the championship two years in a row before they got Durant, and now it's their bench. So now their bench is lackluster, their defense is lackluster. So once Kevin Durant goes, 
then somehow the Lakers are probably wound up being a little bit more relevant than one of the other teams in there. So, yeah, I would say this is probably this will be the end of their dom- dominance. I'm not going to 100% say they won't make it to the NBA Finals, but their dominance over the West that will become that will come to an end. I think that's what most Western Conference teams is waiting on right now. Um, I think they'll accept this playoff push um, with the Warriors being the favorites to win. But come next season, I think that everybody's going to play for the fact that the Warriors are not going to be the same Warriors like they were before. Almost similar to how um, the Eastern Conference teams were playing that, you know, LeBron is going to L.A. So, you know, you got to factor that in as well. Now you see how – Eastern Conference teams is, is being stacked. Like, everybody's fighting for that position. I think once the Warriors dynasty is over, I think that's what everybody is setting up now for, what's to come after the Warriors. <clears throat> who, do you, who do you think – who do you think – who do you think Golden State would rather lock up, Clay or uh, Draymond? Hmm. If – now, this is premising the premises if KD leaves. Clay. That's who they that's who they'll sign? Yep. I agree with you. Like to be honest, Draymond, for the most part, is a lot more expendable now. Um, especially with everything that's been going on with the chemistry and everything. Draymond is a lot more expendable at this point. Clay is a time that you just can't – it's a shooter that you just can't let go. I mean, you, I know you have Steph, but Clay is, a, is also that person where if Steph is not shooting right, Clay will get you the buckets that you need off of his shooting. So um, as much as, you know, Draymond is that glue that holds them together, I still believe that he's more expendable than Clay at this point. Yeah, because um, his his skills, I mean, you know, for whatever reason, injuries or just mileage, I mean, they have dissipated over the last two years. His shot is not even falling like he used to. It's 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 horrendous. His defense is still there, but, you know, basically he's being left open to shoot, you know, wide open jumpers and threes a couple of years ago in the, you know, in the early runs. I mean, he was making people pay for that stuff. So, like you said, he's expendable. With Clay. Clay is a person that at any given night can go off and get you 60, can drop 20 to 30 in a quarter. We've seen it happen. It's happened this season. So that's something that would be hard to replace. If you got rid of Clay, Kevin Durant goes, and you kept Draymond, you really can call it quits on, on, the, on the Golden State Warriors at that. Completely agree with you on that. And like I said, with Draymond gone, there's so many other power forwards out there that can – pretty much do um, the, the same amount of what Draymond could do. I mean, if given the right development, bottom line. Okay, okay. I know we're coming up on the, on the time here. Um, quickly, before we get, uh, before we leave, uh, and I know uh, most of us or some of us may not be as uh, well-versed on this, but can we briefly talk about how Porzingis supposedly, you know, has this charge against him despite having his ACL torn the same day? And I just don't get it. I think it's just a, I just think it's a front. 
where Chick is just trying to get this cash grab real quick, you know, trying to secure that bag. But I could be wrong. I don't want to sound like I'm chauvinist or whatever, but I, 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 it's, it's a highly suspect, highly questionable situation from the outside looking in, not really getting too deep into the scenario. Well, I mean, I, I don't know enough to really to really go go into this in depth. I mean, I've heard about it. Um, I mean, there, there's a there, you know, there's the charges out there that he allegedly did something to a woman. Uh, rape charges. Um, then there was been some stuff that the woman was trying to mediate the Knicks with Porzingis while he was there to um, get payments, um, or at least have the Knicks mediate payments from Porzingis to her. Um, like I said, I don't know enough just to, to really go into great detail, but I mean, there's still a lot of things out there that you know I like to see. I like to see myself personally. I don't know. It's if he indeed did blow out his ACL and he was that was the night that this alleged incident happened. You know, you know, I, I'm surprised, but you know, never know the pain the pain level thrust of a person, but. In any event, like I said, it's too much. If it's too much, I don't know yet about that. But you know, it's I don't know. It's it's, it's some serious charges. Yeah, I agree. It, it is some serious charges, and I think we definitely need to know more information about it. Um, it's funny how the, the Knicks were trying to hide it when they traded on um, him um, to Dallas. Um, and said that it was more about extortion than anything. Um, but there definitely needs to be further investigation going forward. And I don't want to prejudge anybody in regards to stuff like this, um, especially, you know, the alleged case. But the thing about it is, is that as of right now, we know little, little information. Uh, I think we need to know a little bit more information before we, you know, make, you know, say what I give our opinions, I think. Um, but it's just interesting that everything is coming out now. Um, when this happened way before when he tore his ACL to begin with. Um, but like I said, a little more information needs to be um, out there and needs to be transparent. Um, can't hide a lot of stuff. Um, obviously, Dallas didn't know nothing about it. All they knew about it was the extortion um, aspect of it. But Otherwise, and from what I'm seeing right now in the reports, and be able to block that trade if they knew that it was a legit, you know, rape case. So from what I'm hearing, it's just, it's a lot of speculation. Just needs a little bit, know a little bit more information. Okay. Yeah, okay. very, very money. But uh, I will say this, you know, in, in, in this, in the, in the Me Too moment era, and, you know, with the, even the, you know, um, appearance of inappropriate touching or stuff like that. Yeah, people, you know, are coming out in the forefront now and saying things they, that they wouldn't have said or felt like they could said, you know, years ago. Um, so it, it is a little bit interesting that this particular case, you know, this woman didn't come out more publicly about this information and you know, it, it will lead to some people doubting the woman's credibility, especially when you get money involved and payments being exchanged and, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm going to be kind of curious to see how this case gets, 
you know, put out there because right now no one's really talking about it. And you, like you said, the trade went down. Nothing was talked about this. This happened, I guess, eight months ago or nine months ago. Nothing was never brought up. I'm surprised in New York City where everything comes to light, you know, unless you're Derek, Derek Jeter and no one says anything. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, things tend to come to light out in New York, you know, very quickly. Um, it's... Don't think about it. I, I don't want to go too. I don't want to go that far out there in the woods. You know how certain cases are handled, but mm-hmm. it just appears that this one is being handled very quietly. Well, I'm sure this will get handled. Uh, I can't say judiciously, judiciously because hell it happened damn near almost 16 months ago. And we're just hearing about it here a couple of weeks ago. So whatever they're doing, I don't know. I guess they're trying to work some stuff out and keep it nice, quiet, and hush-hush. But, you know, well, I guess we, we'll keep our ear to the street and, you know, try to discuss on it further as we know more. But before we go, it wouldn't be uh, a show if we don't sit there and determine who's going to win the two Final Four games on uh, a Saturday and who do we predict to be the winner come the championship on Monday. Uh, so quickly, let's start with you, E. Auburn, Virginia? Uh, I think the Cinderella run for Auburn ends. I think um, Virginia wins. And t- Texas, Michigan State? I will go with Michigan State. Virginia, Michigan State, and your winner? National champion? Uh, we'll go with uh, Virginia. Okay. Al, Auburn, Virginia? Yeah, I agree. I think Auburn's run ends, so I will go with Virginia. Texas, Michigan State? Um, To be honest, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Texas Tech, Virginia? I'm going to go out on a limb and go for Texas Tech. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to go Auburn. I think uh, their magical run continues. Uh, Virginia, like Duke, has been lucky. Even with, uh, the, even with the star player hurt? Yeah, they, they just seem to be rallying around and just playing some inspired basketball right now. And, you know, and plus you got uh, Sir Charles. Uh, as their number one uh, cheerleader. So I'm going to go Auburn. I, I'm going to go with Al, uh, Texas Tech over Michigan State because, you know, West Virginia, I got a root for my Big 12 squad. And Texas Tech, Auburn, I just love the matchup because it's just two teams you wouldn't think in a million years. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the magical run continues. I'm going to say Auburn. Ooh. Wow. Yep. Not one quote unquote blue blooded team in the uh, national championship game, and it would be very refreshing. I would actually enjoy that. I would actually, yeah. I would actually sit down and watch the whole game if, if that was the case. Same here. Same yeah. here. Like yeah. this is like one of the I can honestly say this is one of the NCAA tournaments that I'm cool with all around because every Final Four team it hasn't been talked about like you know like all the other ones have. 
Um, Virginia, even though they're number one, hasn't really been talked about at all. So I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I'm actually kind of glad. I know um, all the um, I know all, um, the networks wanted Duke to be in there because that would get people to quote unquote watch it, or let me phrase that: that would get the casual fans to watch it, and they could charge spots and tickets to the game out out the wazoo. However, it is it would be very refreshing to see two non-traditional teams, quote unquote, in the big game. Agreed. Because Duke, Duke would suck the oxygen out of everybody. It would be just, it wouldn't be Duke playing whoever. It would be just what's going to happen when Duke, you know, wins. You know, Mike Coach K gets another one. Zion will he be named? You know, tournament. It wouldn't be about who they're playing. It'd just be about the coronation of Duke and what's going to happen afterwards. Agreed. Agreed. I appreciate Duke. You know, I, I'm, I'm a I'm a Duke fan from afar. I'm not I. Uh, what? I, 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 from very far. <laughs> from very far. Um, but it is refreshing to see teams, at least two teams, that you won't necessarily see. Hell, three, because Virginia ain't been there in a while. <laughs> that you don't necessarily see in a, in a, in a so-called semifinal. You know, we're not getting a Clemson-Alabama rematch for the three or four or fifth year in a row come college football. You know, it just gets so depressing. It's the same three, four teams every year. So, I'd be curious when we when we talk again next Wednesday, you know, to see how we uh, we made out or if anybody's right or we're all wrong. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely find out. Somebody's going to be right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're right about that. Well, fellas, uh, I think we hit that time where, you know, we got a bit of a uh, farewell. But before we go, let, uh, let everybody know where they can be found. I'll let you go first, Al. Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. And before I go, I like to say shout out to the Long Island Nets for winning the Eastern Conference Championship in the G League. Let's go. <laughs> I was going to ask about the Long Island shirt. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and the Gram. Uh, J E Ross, the number seven. You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, CatDaddy1963. That's uh, CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. Well, gentlemen, uh, I look forward to some exciting games this weekend. Baseball is getting into full swing. Basketball is finally dying down. Thank God. At least the regular season. And <laughs> don't nobody care about basketball until the playoff time, man. Actually, <laughs> wake me up in, in the second round. Exactly. Exactly. Let me see if there's any upsets. Sorry, but I gotta, I, I gotta continue to watch for to see if Brooklyn makes it into the playoffs. Well, that's different because at least there's somebody new, refreshing. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. We talk to see you catch all the time. <laughs> but anyway. Well, at least we know LeBron ain't gonna be in that. Oh snap! He could have not made it to Cleveland. It was paid while well, handsome to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, thanks everybody out there for, uh, for giving us a listen. We uh, appreciate all the subscribers, showing us all the love. If you got a friend who knows a friend that may have a friend, tell them about Guys Talking Sports. You know, throw us a subscribe, share, like, love. We appreciate it. With no further ado, 
Happy Final Four weekend. Until next time, farewell.